Hey, this is Stephen Christian from Amberlin, and you are listening to the Overflow Beyond the Music podcast. Well, I have been waiting a long time to kick off a podcast episode with some music like that. Some riffs, some drums, some vocals, some oh, just all the rock and roll in the world. I love it. And if you don't know who that band is, well, you should know because we're about to chat with uh, that band's lead singer. That band is Amberlynn, one of my favorite bands. And um, I always really count it a joy when I get to interview an artist or a band that, that I kind of grew up listening to that... Uh, I'd line up for hours to go to their show and line up for hours to buy one of their t-shirts. And that's always just a massive honor when I get to sit down and hear their story on the podcast. You are joining us right now for episode nine here on the Beyond the Music podcast. I can't believe it's almost at episode 10. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm having so much fun doing this. And we've got tons more great content coming up for you real soon. Uh, Lots and lots and lots of interviews that are uh, about to be edited and getting ready to be uh, uploaded. So keep listening. And if you have not heard some of our prior episodes, we've had some incredible guests, including Trevor McNeven from Thousand Foot Crutch and I Am The Storm. Uh, we've had Adam Agee, uh, which, who I just found out was in a movie. <laughs> I was watching Netflix the other day. I'm like, I think that's Adam Agee playing the part of that soldier. And lo and behold, it was. And, uh, yeah, we've just had some incredible guests and the reviews and, uh, I guess feedback's probably the better word that we've had on the mental health episodes, especially with Brian Johnson of Bethel Music, getting to hear his story. Uh, the feedback's been incredible. So make sure you go check those episodes out, give them a listen. Uh, it'll make sure to fill your ears with plenty of podcast listening for the next couple of weeks as we get ready to release more and more episodes. If this voice is not familiar to you, my name is Josh McCabe. I'm the host of this podcast, and you can follow us online on Instagram at The Overflow BTM. That's at The Overflow BTM. That's where you'll find a lot of our uh, news and who's coming up on the podcast. We'll make sure to let you know when podcasts will be released, and we're going to start getting into some extra bonus content on there as well, which... Who doesn't love bonus content, especially when it's free? So make sure you follow us at The Overflow BTM on Instagram. Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. We always, always appreciate hearing from you. Well, I'm pretty sure nobody tunes into this podcast to listen to me ramble and chat just about whatever. So I'm going to make sure that we get right to our guest on this episode because it was one of one of the easiest conversations I've ever had. And I've met Steve and Christian a few times, and uh, mostly in passing because we have some mutual friends. And tell you, he's one of the sweetest guys you will ever meet in your life. What you see is what you get with this guy. He is completely the real deal. And I happened to recently be in Florida. Um, my family, we vacation a bunch uh, down in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is maybe about maybe 20 minutes south of Clearwater, Florida, where Steve and Christian currently resides. And uh, we were able to make sure uh, that we set some time aside for me to come to his church, sit down in his office, and we just chatted for a bit. And it just felt like a really organic conversation, just hearing his heart, hearing some stories, hearing about why he does what he does, and and really just understanding more about Stephen Christian, the artist. You got to know this. So not only is Stephen Christian the front man of the band Amberlynn, which 
I don't know if you can say they're on a hiatus or if they're done, but right now they are not touring. We'll say that much. They are not touring right now, and there's no plans for a new record at this point. But since the band Anne Berlin sort of uh, took a break and all the members started pursuing some other things, Stephen has been uh, a worship pastor, and he also released a worship record, which we'll talk about a little bit in this interview as well. But I'll let Stephen tell his own story. So here's my conversation with worship pastor, worship artist, writer, and lead singer of the band Amberlynn, Stephen Christian. So I finally have had the opportunity to sit down with this man. He is a busy man, and uh, it, our conversation started a little over a year ago, maybe even two years ago, and we got put in touch by a mutual friend, and uh, he was out on the West Coast, and we were trying to get him up to Canada. Couldn't make it work with the scheduling, and uh, and now I've tracked him down in another state, and I'm sitting here in Clearwater, Florida, with Stephen Christian. You might recognize his name from the band Amberlynn in a recent solo release, a worship project that he's doing. But Stephen, tell tell me where you've been since getting off the road. Man, all over. But right when I got off the road, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, shortly after leaving the band, I uh, found myself in in Corrales, New Mexico. Wow. I worked at uh, Calvary Church with uh, Pastor Skip Heitzig. Uh, was on the, uh, I was the worship director there at that church. And then fast forward four years later, and here we are in Clearwater, Florida. I'm still at a Calvary Church here in uh, Clearwater. But uh, yeah, so just switch coasts. Switch coast. So this, this church you're at now is connected with the church you were at in New Mexico. No, not not really. Just by just by name alone. Just that's by name. Okay. Yep, that's it. So str- just a strange. It wasn't like I got traded or I. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just like, you know I didn't. Yeah, it wouldn't. I didn't request a transfer or anything like that. No, they didn't send. They didn't send the kids pastor back the other no, way. No, no, yeah, and yeah. Two first round picks. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, ma'am, you've uh, and and I guess looking at the career of of you and and Amberlynn, obviously leadership. And interacting with crowds has been something that that you're you've been great at. But when did you start realizing that there was more than just this musical side of you? There is this pastoral gift. I think when I was thrown into the deep end of being a pastor at New, in New Mexico, you know, to be brutally honest, when I used to you know look out at crowds, I would see, I would see faces. But you know, a lot of times you'd see numbers. You know, if the if there was a low attendance show, you'd be a little bummed or. If it was packed, you would be so excited. You know, it would always just, um, numbers, not not necessarily, I'm not talking about money. It's just more kind of like how many people are showing up to the shows. Right. Well, after doing counseling, after getting to know the people that I worked with at, in New Mexico and, and, and the congregation that, that I was ministering to each week, and just hearing their stories, they become, they became that, stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I would look out and not see faces, not see numbers, but but in fact, stories and people that I was invested in. And from that, I think from very early on being in New Mexico, um, I realized that more than more than um, getting up on stage and singing worship, uh, the, 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 the thing that I was most passionate about, more than music itself, was just investing in lives, whether that's through leadership, whether that was through counseling or, you know, conducting a funeral or a wedding. I just like to be a part of people's lives and... I don't think that there's anything else as rewarding 
as you know, working your butt off all day at a yeah. church and really investing in people's lives, putting your head on that pillow and just saying, man, I, I don't think I could do more. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't think I'll ever take my hands off this plow. I think I'll forever be a minister. Do you remember a particular time in which people became less of numbers and stories? Do, do you remember one story that really just rocked you and said, wow, I, I, I'm playing a part in this person's life and this is, this is eternity at stake. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we were, I was doing a counseling session. This guy came in because I was in Amberlin. Yeah. I'd say he's 20, about 25 years old, you know, tattoos, piercings, all this kind of stuff. And, and he was just laying out his heart. He had divorced his wife or his wife had divorced him. You know, he, he hadn't seen his child in some time. He had lost his job. He had been arrested. He was on drugs, just, just, just a, a mess. And, you know, it, it was one of those things where I had just conducted a funeral for a kid, a guy in his late twenties, same exact story, drugs, two kids, divorced, all this kind of stuff. And I had just conducted a funeral and I had, I had asked the guy, I was like, Hey, listen, in five years, where do you want to be? And he said, oh, he wants to be remarried to his wife, off drugs, going to cooking school, you know, have graduated cooking school, back reunited with his kids. And I had written all that down and I grabbed the funeral notes and I grabbed the piece of paper that said five years and I pushed them across the table and I said, the Bible says, choose you this day, blessing or cursing. And that was such the Holy Spirit because that is not like I thought of that. Right. It was one of those things where it's just like, what did I just say? Like, I don't know. Where did that come from? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't me. It wasn't me for sure. But I mean, just his, and I said, you can take these funeral notes, keep them. You can have them. Like, I I want you to be able to like carry this in your backpack, take this and you get to choose every single day, uh, you know, where, where your future rests. And uh, man, it was awesome just to see the look on his face. Like you could not, you got any more clarity. You know what I'm saying? It was like a light bulb went off in his head. Like I get to choose. I may not get to, you know, drop the, uh, you know, my past. I may not be able Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, get rid of all the, my, my, my criminal record on, but I can, but today I can start making a brighter future for myself and my family. So it was awesome, man. That was a, that was such one of those moments where I was just like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. I love it. Well, it's it's incredible how God uses our journey to bring us into the lives of people. And and over the years, there's been people that have been relatively nobodies that I, for whatever reason, my wife and I have established relationship with. And, and then all of a sudden, you come back and, and, and you get to play a, a critical part in their life years later. But I think it's really interesting how you mentioned that this guy walked in the door because of your history with Amberlynn and the band. So let's let's go back to that for a bit. Yeah, and let's tell me about how um, the band Amberlynn got started. About let's see, about an hour and a half from here is a small town called Winter Haven, Florida. And you have two options when you live there, that you can either go get drunk in the Orange Groves or you can go start a band. And so mm. a couple friends and I um, went and started a horrific punk rock band, but more or less just to play. We just wanted to play. You know, it wasn't even about the style or anything like that. It just happened to be like, that was what two of the guys were listening to. Right. Um, I was too, but it was like, you know, for me, I just wanted to play any type of music. Yeah. So, um, and... Based on those early bands, two of the members from Amberlynn came, you know, came out of that was Dion and, and Joey. 
both were uh, both were from Winter Haven, and uh, we uh, we 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 played out that punk rock band. We had saved up a lot of money because in 2002 we knew that I was. I was probably going to quit music forever because I was graduating from University of Central Florida there in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, listen, guys, I, you know, number one, I don't like punk rock music. Yep. Two, I'm about to graduate. So if we're going to do something, now is the time. Like, right. because I'm going to go get a real job. I was working for this nonprofit um, called Catholic, uh, Catholic Heart. And so I was like, I'm probably going to go full time with these guys. Um, and they were, you know, I, so we had saved up a bunch of money, went to Atlanta, Georgia and uh, worked with a guy named Matt Goldman who did Copeland and Under wow, Oath. Yeah. Uh, he did five songs for us, and at the end of it, he was like, hey, do you mind if I share some of these songs with my friend at Warner Brothers? And of course, we were like, no. You know, like, of, you know, <laughs> of course you can share yeah. them. You know? <laughs> and so we, uh, he sent them out, and we exploded online. Like, it was, it was uh, you know, do you remember Pure Volume? Oh, yeah. I think it's probably, I know it's still around, but I just don't know how many people. Oh, man, my, my life was waiting for Tooth and Nail to release the next free download off someone's new record. That's awesome. And then burn it to a CD. There you go. Because I'm like, man, you free download, creating mixtapes. In yep. fact, dude, this is funny that I think about this now, that Tooth and Nail would always release, you know, one free download off of like all of their records on Pure Volume. And I remember getting ready to come down for a trip down here to Florida. I was like 17. So I downloaded them all and made like the most killer two disc <laughs> little mixtape and awesome. rocked it in my non-skip Walkman. And it was, yes. yes. Oh man, throwback right now. It. I love it. So we had we had 25,000 plays in three months, three months. Which which doesn't sound like a lot of plays, but for an unknown, never heard of before band, uh, you know that was that was a lot, and it's, the do it yourself movement had really just started. Yeah, because a lot of people, st- you were kind of at the cusp of having to go find you know a quote unquote real studio and yep. real producer versus yep. what people were able to create in their bedroom. Right, and so we had gotten a lot of of you know notoriety, a lot of hype from labels, and instead of going with a major label, we decided we were all very, I think I think Tooth and Nail felt safe. You know, it was something that we'd all grown up with, or and we were, you know, into you know, Juliana Theory forever, further seems forever was on there, and they had just signed May, and um, to me that was they were I was just like th- these guys are like on the cusp, and also the the major label um, stuff they were all developmental deals, right? And it was just one of those things where it's just like I don't know enough about the industry, yeah. So. Luckily, we signed for three records with with Tooth and Nail, you know, because at that time they were signing people for like five, six, seven records yeah, and crazy totally. crap like that. So, thank God that you know for whatever reason Brandon gave us three. Um, got up to Seattle, Washington, and recorded with Aaron Sprinkle, uh, Blueprints for the Black Market, and man, the rest is history. So, first record came out two thousand three. Man, I can't believe it's been that long. Fifteen years. Fifteen four, years. Oh, Sixteen now. Yeah. So when when you guys uh, got signed. How did the band sort of develop from that point? You mentioned a couple key guys that were from your hometown. How'd you find the rest of the yeah. guys? And and I mean, maybe you need to dispel a rumor from me for me because I remember. And man, I'm sounding like a geek right now, and I'm not. I'm not. That's not <laughs> at all what this is. But I remember being at like Cornerstone and saying, "You got to see this band from Florida with a drummer who's not even out of high school." Yeah. Was is that is that the truth? Oh yeah, I mean when we he first started playing with us he was 12. Well, no no no. He was yeah, he was 12. And then we when we first when we got serious to go on the road, uh he was 14. 
So, I mean, he had been playing. Wow. Yeah. He was, he was just an anomaly. You know, we said the same thing. We were in that horrible punk rock band and his mm-hmm. horrible punk rock band was opening for us. <laughs> and, uh, and my bass player was like, dude, you got to come see this 12 year old. He's like crushing it. And, uh, so it, it was, uh, yeah. One of those things where he kind of just came on. Well, his dad played in the NFL. He was, his wow. name was Steve Young. He played for green Bay Packers, not, not, not San Francisco, but green Bay He played for bucks and one other team. But, I think his dad knew like strike while the iron is hot. You know, yeah. you have to. And, and he was home being homeschooled. Wow. So his parents were like, well, take your older brother and you can go out on the road and just make sure you get schoolwork done, you know? Yeah. And Was um, any schoolwork done? Oh, no. I don't. <laughs> I doubt. I never saw him do it. Maybe there was, but I never saw him do it. So, yeah, he was, you know, I think when he, when we were out on the road for our first major tour with, with uh, Reliant K, um, I think he was, he was 14. Wow. So, Yeah. It's funny how how uh, some of the most unlikely circumstances end up end up all working together. Oh man, absolutely, absolutely. We had a drummer prior to him, and um, just walked away on really bad terms, and it was just a weird situation. And so, you know, even to the point where he called Nate was like, "Don't be around those guys." And it was just <laughs> it was funny. Like we were not a hassle or a headache or even yeah even close to being like bad dudes or whatever but right it was just a weird circumstance. but the fact that he like stepped up and i don't know he's he's got a great level head on his shoulders he always has and uh makes some a, good coffee too makes the some crazy good coffee maybe, so maybe we'll do a little ad in this and tell people go. where to get some of his coffee after king but. state you gotta you gotta check it out online all right. we'll, uh, put that in, we'll put that in the show notes. all right yes yes this episode brought to you <laughs> and then so years later we had we had we had a you know with music or with touring band, it's 50% what you do on the stage and 50% what you do off. If you're the best guitarist in the world, but you have a just a piss poor attitude the rest of the time, I do not want you in Amberlynn. Right. Same difference if if you're like a great dude, but you just are horrible guitar, mm-hmm. probably still don't want you. You know what I'm saying? So there has yeah. to be it's it's it has to be both a good personality and and you know and a great guitarist. So we had like almost a revolving door of right. of, of you know. Of guitarists and um later on when uh, we had we had gone on tour with acceptance and one of our favorite bands at that time met met you know they opened up for us we got to become really good friends with those guys and then slowly you know we heard that acceptance was kind of fading and at that time we were just like oh my gosh you know we're looking for a guitarist this is right during cities like right at basically during the recording process we knew we were I'm going to part ways with one of our guitarists and um he uh, and so we were kind of contacting Christian and and uh and you know he came out on like you know the first we were just like hey we, can we contract you to come play guitar for us right. yeah of course and within like the first couple of weeks we were like oh my gosh this just guy has fit. got to stay like and so we were driving away from Seattle Washington listening to some band and and actually it was super gross and we were just like sitting there watching Seattle like you know skyline leave the side of our bus and we were like basically proposed to Christian you know yeah. <laughs> got on one knee and was like please please join please join the band, join the band. <laughs> and that was that was one of the best decisions we could have made because that guy is just he's just an all-around great guy wonderful wonderful band member right as well as talented uh you know writer and mm-hmm. and uh and guitarist it's an you know I think I love what you said about you know 50% being on stage and 50% being off stage because I think you could say the same is true about 
musicians in church that you can get some great musicians on a team that do not take kindly to you asking them to you know hold back on the guitar to the second verse or how have you find found some of the the things that you learned as far as dealing with people as musicians uh how has that translated some of the church world for you or is it or is it almost the same well i think one of the cool advantageous parts about being in Amberlynn is the fact that you know i walk in with a certain level of respect mm. you know so sometimes you know, I haven't encountered a musician who thought they knew better than me. And that's, man, that sounds really pretentious and cocky, but it's true though, but I've been around the industry, you know, for, for, you know, almost two decades. And right. the fact that like the resume almost has the, has the, you know, the Trump card, right. you know, and I am, I am not a better musician. These guys, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you know, our, our music director here, you know, writes for orchestras and he, he performs in local orchestras piano. So, I mean, he's clearly a superior musician yeah. to me than I will ever be. However, it just, it makes it to where we can work together very well because, you know, he has my respect and I have his respect and right. it's, it's very mutual. So it's not pulling teeth. It's more kind of like, Hey, at the end of the day, let's, let's come together for the best, you know, music that we can possibly create together. And, uh, yeah, it, it works very well. Being in Amberlynn, um, being signed to tooth and nail, uh, a label that that had a lot of Christian artists and also had you know more of a CCM wing as well. Um, Amberlynn never really was labeled as you know a quote unquote Christian band, and I use those terms so loosely because I don't think anyone really knows what that what that particularly means. What when you started Amberlynn, where did you guys feel like you fit most, and and how did that relate to your mission? You know, we definitely didn't fit within the four walls of the church. I don't think we ever played any churches. Um, it, it just didn't feel comfortable. You know, I, I always thought if if we are the body of Christ, then my personal mission, because I'm not going to put that impetus on, on the entire band, right? Um, but my personal mission was to be the feet where people wouldn't tread. You know, at that time, the Christian band said, you know, the, I remember, there's this, there's this uh, venue in St. Pete called the State Theater, and one of these... Bigger Christian bands was refused to play the venue because they served alcohol, mm-hmm. and I just was so always so kind of thrown off by that because it just felt like, but wouldn't you send a doctor to those who are unwell? Like wouldn't you, wouldn't you sit? Like wouldn't you go? If why why would you go to a church to talk about Jesus? That makes no sense to me. Like mm-hmm. you know, if God's given you the talent and the abilities, why don't you go and minister? And you know, that's I think that's what kind of set us apart in the simple fact that. Um, we would rather we feel more comfortable playing at like you know Coachella than we would playing right. at you know Godfest 2013. <laughs> you know it just kind of felt that it just always kind of felt weird to me. Um, yeah. So that wasn't where we were at. So I think we were the feet that tread, and you know the bands that we toured with um, were obviously and never you know not Christian at all from mm-hmm. Lincoln Park to Smashing Pumpkins, Fall Out Boy, Mike Cam, and all that kind of stuff. We we just that was where we felt most comfortable, mm-hmm. and um, it led to a real a lot of really really cool witnessing opportunities for me and and almost by proxy of just being in the vicinity of these guys earning their trust as not only a musician but a friend right so that we could you know open up and have deeper conversations and uh it was it was pretty phenomenal do you um and you know obviously being sensitive and and honoring people's journey do you remember a particular time when just being present opened up a discussion that that you go man i am so glad that i approached relationship this way rather than mm. coming in 
with my my Christian T-shirt and saying, right. "If you need if you need prayer, come yes. to me." Well, I think it's I think both. You know, there was one time where I, I you know my reputation must have preceded me or somebody must have mentioned that, but there was a singer to uh, a very famous band and we was, this was day one of tour. And he walked up to me and said, are you Steven Christian? I was like, yeah. And he's like, I just got off cocaine two weeks ago and he didn't use the word accountable, but he said, you're going to keep me accountable to keep me off the rest of the tour. Wow. And I was like, okay, nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, this is uh, okay. And that was, that was phenomenal. Just being able to like, just, just talk to him, you know, be frank with him, be open with him, and, and keep him challenged and stuff like that. Um, and then there was also a time where, where we were in the basement in Pittsburgh with fallout boy on one of their tours. And we just sat in the basement and all four, all five of us. So me and the four, four of the guys in the fallout boy, had about a two-hour conversation about just the man Jesus Christ. Wow. And it was incredible just to hear their point of view and just talk to them. And and they had so many questions because, I mean, none of them were raised in the church. And, yeah. like, uh, you know, just misnomers and, and kind of rumors and things that they had heard about him and stuff like that. And just be able to clear it up and then, you know, go buy them books about, like, the case for Christ yeah. and stuff like that. Just have a whole, you know, you know, just basically just dump a whole, bene- like, 20 books into their, yeah, into their yeah. bus and just be like, dude, check these out. And just for it to be around, you know, right. those books to be around them. And, can you, uh, I mean, can you imagine someone walking on the Fall Out Boy bus and seeing Case for yeah, Christ yeah, everywhere? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is I'm happening? I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, but, but I mean, stuff like that, just be able to like, just be around with no judgment, you know, and, and, yeah. you know, they had a couple more questions even after that. And, and that's cool. I, I appreciate all that, but just be able to like, sow those seeds, yeah. um, are phenomenal. Was there ever a point in which you were carrying on the mission of Amberlin playing clubs, touring with Fall Out Boy and My Cam and, um, 30 Seconds to Mars and all these kinds of bands. Was there ever a point in which you felt this pressure uh, from those you knew in that were more, I would say, in the four walls of the church that questioned your motives or what you were doing or or who you were associating with. I don't know if I cared at all. Right. Like to me, I mean, I think that it's, but the Bible says that your salvation comes with fear and trembling. You know, that mm-hmm. you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And I had already worked it out with God, you know, and he knew that at any moment he could just pull the carpet right out from underneath me. You know, that would never have, that wouldn't have destroyed me. I would have been completely fine with it. So when people, you know, when Christians especially would just, you know, talk or yell or scream and stuff like that, I just, I don't know if I cared. Again, you know, when you get to a certain level of success, it's almost as if you stop trying to win the approval of everyone else. You know what I'm saying? Like my wife knows this, but like if she... If my wife said, you suck, it would just mm-hmm. crush me. But right. if 5,500 comments on YouTube says you suck, I don't know if I care. Right. Because it's just kind of like, man, God, I got to see the world. I got to sell this many number of records. I got to be on a major label, all that stuff. And so outside of like my parents, my wife, and Jesus Christ, I don't care at all. Nothing to prove. And nothing to prove. I have nothing because I have to make sure my heart's right with God. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to take the time to know that and understand that, but, you know, Um, and there was a time that I did care and it wasn't just the opinions. It was almost, you know, like we, you know, not, not all the guys in the band are Christians Mm -hmm. and all, I don't think there was any crew member that was, I mean, I'm sure there was at, at some point or another, but for the most part, the majority of time in Amberlin, the majority of the crew members were not, we played this stupid Christian festival in San Diego and it went like 
worship team mm -hmm. guy came up and talked about Jesus, then gave an altar call, and then we played. Right. So of course I'm not going to get up. Well, I you know I didn't make it a habit of getting up there and preaching anyway. Right. But of course I'm not going to talk about. Like look at the lineup. You just I mean, preached. Yeah, I just this guy just literally gave an altar call. So. We were walking off stage, and about 50 yards behind stage is a giant chain link fence. Not like, you know, six foot. It was like, you know, a taller one, like eight foot. And there's this guy, I'll never forget his little face, just screaming at our band, damning us to hell for not talking about Jesus. Wow. And I'm running at, at because I'm running towards the fence, and I'm going to hop that, and I'm going to beat <laughs> his butt because I just could not take it. And my my tour manager, not a Christian, yeah, not I'm not even agnostic, like completely atheist, like there is nothing, we are nothing, is grabbing the back of my pants, ripping me off this fence from tearing my own like yeah religious brother uh, because to me I was just like this is what they see of Christianity we don't play Christian festivals that often and right. here's this guy damning my friends and all of us to hell and it was just kind of like wow man you, there, there is no love there's no you you're it's so misguided well and, and the pastoral side of me have seen has seen this and and I've adjusted how I have viewed things because as a 16 year old, my dad grew up in a Christian rock band in the eighties and, and what those bands were all about. They used to tour with resurrection band and, and all those kinds of bands. What was in the, the name 80s. of his band? They're called the Daniel band from Canada. I know that I've definitely heard the Daniel band. And that is my dad. That's awesome. That's my pops. How in cool. fact, I'm, it's so funny. Cause I joke with my dad and say, dad, there's one in every crowd. Cause I have still have road cases that are painted Daniel band I take him on the road with me and someone stops me and the funniest moment I think I've had so far is I said the same thing um, to John Cooper from Skillet and he starts singing the Daniel band catalog for me and I'm wow. like wow this is weird this is that's so cool my dad's awesome um, and so yeah so they were they came in a, a generation where the only reason you started a band was to preach the gospel that that was their that was what they did and since even since then he's changed the way he views because and I, I've changed the way I view too, especially taking that festival and, and I, I have a point to this, but in that festival scenario, you have somebody who is called to preach the gospel, who's gifted with evangelism, and you're gifted with pastoral love. It's not your job to do everybody else's job. We're the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Would you say you relate to that? That that there we all have these arms and these different roles we're supposed to carry to project Christ? Absolutely. I mean, you should not let it be an excuse. Oh, I'm the foot, so I'm not the mouthpiece, right. so I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I think there's a healthy balance in that for sure, but I absolutely agree. You know, if we were all doctors or all missionaries, you know, nothing would get accomplished. If we were mm -hmm. all in IT, if we were all in one field, and that's why God has us scattered about, you know, yeah. so that we can make an impact in whatever role or position that we're in. Well, you mentioned touring with a lot of uh, quote unquote secular bands, mainstream mm -hmm. bands, bands that don't, uh, you know, wouldn't identify themselves as Christians. But you've probably toured with a lot of bands and traveled and played festivals with a lot of bands who would identify as Christian bands. Was there a time that you can remember, and, you know, again, not needing to name names, where you're going, uh, man, I don't know what you're about, but you you carry the banner of Christ, and that what I'm seeing is not Christ. Oh, dude! I mean, I, I that's what's so crazy. Like, let's let's go take this from a worship leading perspective. I just think a lot of worship leaders don't even understand 
the amount of responsibility that is on their shoulders. Like someday they're going to yeah. stand before the throne of God and God's going to be like, you're, you were in a role. You were on stage. You, you weren't you, just song leading. You were just not song leading. This was, you were ushering people into the throne room of God. And, and I don't, you know, I'm just not sure that they understand the weight of what they just signed up for. Right. In the same way, like, I mean, I think there's a lot of responsibility on Christian artists. And the simple fact is like, I can name homosexuals, people on Coke, like right now. And it's just like, to me, it's like, dang, man, why, why would you do that to yourself? Like even, you know, as a kid, I was, you know, growing up in the eighties and I saw all these, you know, heavy metal bands with pentagrams and all that kind of stuff. And I was always like, dude, even if you don't believe it, why would you play around with that crap? And in the same way in the Christian industry of like, if you don't believe it, get out. Like, not because it's like, this is ours. It's more kind of like, dude, well, hypothetically, what if this is true? And someday you're standing before the throne room of God and you said, you you did it all in my name and you didn't even yeah. know me. You actually thrusted people away from me. You know, right. like, that's a lot of blood to carry on your hands. So, and, and the other thing is, like, there was a lot of Christian bands that I saw and they almost did it out of rote. You know, they'd get up on stage and they'd have their Jesus like sermon ready, right. you know, and, and it just felt so ingenuine and rehearsed and rehearsed. And it just was like, all right, there's a lot. If we wanted to be rich, we should have been a Christian band Yeah, and we could have been rich, mm-hmm. you know, there, the guarantees for a Christian band over, um, over, over general market is probably three times as much minimal. You know, we would do, you know, there was times that we would do, okay, we, okay, for instance, we wanted to do, I wanted to do a complete acoustic tour. Mm-hmm. I wanted some violins. I wanted, you know, I loved all that stuff growing up like unplugged MTV and I wanted to do something similar to that. Right. I knew we could pull it off well. You know, we had the talent and my bo- and my boss, my, my manager was like, if you want to do that, you have to play a Christian festival because that's how we can earn the money to be able to pay for this. And wow. I was like, man, that sucks. I have no qualms with playing Christian festivals, but I do want to make sure that all the mouths are fed. So right. I, I, we played a Christian festival to, in order to do what we really wanted to do art- artistically. Yeah, that's crazy. Was it was that a, was that a struggle for you to wrap your head around? It, well, I mean, it is even now. I yeah. mean, if you have you tried to get somebody to come to your church like a Christian artist, the prices are like what? Yeah. At the pinnacle of Amberlin, we weren't making that much money per right. show for a one-off. Like that's so nutty to me. And I don't, you know, 14 people in here are going to know you, but yeah. so somewhere along the lines, you know, Christian, well, I think it's just naivety. Mm-hmm. Christian churches are just like, well, I don't know how much do we pay? So well, of course I'll give them 20 grand. And then the next church is like, and then you turn down the next one. You're like, oh, my guarantees are 20 grand. And I think what bothers me about that is that it's not coming from a place of honor of going, you know, I'm a church with means, and you're going to come minister to us, and so I want to give you more than you expected. It it's it almost sometimes comes from a place of demand. We we demand this much, or else we're not showing up. That's right. I there. I'm not. I just think there's a healthy balance. Yeah. You know, don't you the work you should pay a workman double what they're worth. Absolutely. However, don't freaking rip people off, man. Like, yeah. just it's a money grab. So, I look at you know, quote unquote, bigger Christian bands. And uh, they're just, they're charging crazy amounts, but they're making tons of money. Mm -hmm. And again, you have to stand accountable for all of that in heaven. You Mm -hmm. know, what are you doing with that prosperity? Because that's what that is. That is a lot of money. Yeah, I wish there was ways that that the quote unquote Christian and secular or the quote unquote (laughs) uh, mainstream and CCM could understand each other better. 
and and I I really I really hope that this podcast can help accomplish that. And because yeah, there there are a lot of Christian artists doing good things. There are some that are not who they say they are, and there's a lot of mainstream artists that are doing great things, and some who are some of the strongest Bible believing Christians I've ever seen. But write songs about love and beauty, and that's good too. Art art is art. Art is art for sure. Well, hey, you you uh, transitioned out of Amberlin into uh, more of a worship role. Tell me a little bit about recording your first worship record and and sort of where you're at now and, and, and what is going on in the life of Stephen Christian. So those songs came out of, because I had a writing deal with with Word Records in Nashville, Tennessee, and so a lot of those were, were songs for other people that I had written, you know, and, and so Word would say, well, this person's writing or you're looking for songs, and so I'd write something for them. And then after a while, I realized, hey, the songs that are not getting picked up, I still really, really like. And so I, I put it together, and it's basically a compilation of songs that I wrote for other people and then named it Wildfire. So this next record that, that I'm about to put out you know, this year is, is me. Because I, I will say that some of those songs on that record were, were, were written with an artist in mind, so right. as opposed to like my own music. And so, so the I, language ne- wasn't necessarily 100% the, the way lang- I would say the language, but more, more or less the music itself. Right. And so this next one will be like, oh, there he is. You know, like, mm. okay, there it is. So um, though I do appreciate it and I really liked it, and I'm glad that it's out there in the, in the cosmos. I'm, I'm really, really excited for this next one. And and beyond that, you're you're here full time uh, at at Calvary Church in in Clearwater. So if you're in the Florida area yes. and uh, want to enjoy some great worship, this uh, check out this church for sure. Well, again, we'll put that in the show notes for people to find. <laughs> Thanks. But beyond the making the record, is there any any plans for touring, traveling, doing some uh, doing some dates here and there? What 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 are you thinking? All of the above, you know, and 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 whatever that looks like. I think that this summer, you know, if if all goes well, you know, we're talking about, you know, maybe playing like one, a show or two mm-hmm. with Amberlynn. Maybe we just, we, you know, it's one of those things where everybody has their own lives now right. and their own families and their own ventures and hobbies and passions and stuff like that. And so, it's not like you can just show up and play the show. There's like weeks of preparation. Oh, months of preparation. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever we, we played a show at the, you know, at the Yingling center over here and at the, at the USF uh, stadium. And that was so much fun. So maybe we'll do that again, you know, next year, whatever the case might be. But um, I think we'll definitely, definitely like I'm going to, I'm going to go play some of my own stuff. You know, I enjoy it a lot. It's so much fun to just travel with, with, you know, as opposed to like a professional band where we'd all been members, uh, you know, growing up together, the same band. It's fun to kind of change out people and with my own stuff and just like, dude, come hang out with me, come tour with me. So that's a lot of fun. I definitely am going to do that this summer, but um, it, it looks like, um, so we're just, I'm just throwing out ideas with my management company. I signed with, um, uh, first, first company management Good people over there, such good people. And so, you know, I just basically said, you know, I, I have the summer off yeah. of work. Why not, you know, just put me on the road. So they're talking about it. We'll figure it out, but yeah, I'll definitely keep everybody in the loop as far as that's concerned. Well, please do. And we're looking forward to it and make sure when you're in Nashville, you hit us up, come over for a coffee. Yes. We'll do a little double date or something like I love that it. with our families. I love it. Good to see you again. Man. Huge 
huge thank you to Stephen Christian for joining us on episode nine of the Beyond the Music podcast. And I'm going to tell you, you want to go find the show notes of this episode because I have curated the most epic, best of Amberlynn playlist, I think, ever because it's just the best ever and they're my favorite songs so make sure you go check that out in the show notes we've also got tons of other links including links to king state coffee like we talked about in the episode links to stephen christian's own solo material and heck we even put a link to stephen christian's church in florida so if you're ever in the clearwater area make sure you pop in you can say hey to Stephen Christian say that you saw him on the podcast and see him leading worship uh, in his natural habitat so this is episode 9 I'm your host Josh McCabe thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond the Music podcast we'll see you again next time <laughs>